Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. All right, I'm Rachel Woody, and I am here with Blaine Nesson. Mm -hmm. Did I get that right? That's correct. Okay. Uh, He was one of the founders of the SOE program, Southern Oregon Wine Institute at Mm Umpqua Community College. And we are here at Linfield, and it is June 27th. Thank you. (laughs) So just to start out, and real general, would you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, I was a college administrator for 38 years, uh, primarily in community colleges, Mm -hmm. and retired as the president of Umpqua Community College uh, in 2010, December of 2010. Um, By way of education uh, and and growing up, I was in Idaho and uh, got both my baccalaureate degree and master's degrees uh, from Idaho State University, and then I received my doctoral uh, degree from Oregon State. Okay. So how did you get to Umpqua Community College from there? Um, I had worked in a number of community colleges, as I said, uh, over the 38 years, and I actually was a vice president of Clark College in Vancouver, Washington, and was twice asked to be president uh, on an interim basis, once when the president was removed and things were really, really messy. and uh, I sort of reluctantly took that job and and lasted through it and didn't get bruised up too badly. And then uh, another time when there was a planned transition, I was the acting president for a couple, three months. And from that experience, then I really felt like I was prepared then to move on to a presidency and applied at Umpqua and ultimately was selected. And uh, so that's how I ended up at Umpqua Community College. And of course, the Southern Oregon Wine Institute, that was very much one of the things that you did there. Mm -hmm. Why a wine institute? Tell me a little bit about the thought process and and how you got it going. I probably would back up a couple years. I started in 2004 as president of UCC. And when I started, um, the uh, college had not had any new instructional programs for over a decade. And so the community at large was very, very much interested in how the college could serve the needs of the community much more than it had uh, previously. And that isn't to say that the programs in place weren't good programs, they were good programs and very dedicated faculty, but there hadn't been a lot of innovation. And so over the course of the six years that I was president, we created 17 new programs and they were all based on partnerships with the community and looking at local community needs. Uh, So in 2005, uh, in the fall of 2005, I was approached by the wine industry because by then we had already created probably a half a dozen new programs and they saw the college really reaching out to the community and saying, how can we serve you? And um, they came to me and said they'd like to talk with regards to how the college might help the wine industry in terms of providing trained uh, professionals to work in that industry. So uh, we were invited, uh, my vice president of instruction and I were invited to attend the Umpqua Wine Growers Association meeting Mm -hmm. out at Brandburg, um, 
winery out in Elkton. And uh, we stayed for the meeting, and at the very end of the agenda, then they talked to us with regards to what uh, their needs were. And uh, they said that basically the only way they could get a new trained professional is that if the individual wineries were to train them, because they couldn't have a trained workforce uh, any other way. And that if the wine industry was really going to grow in Southern Oregon, they needed a pool of qualified, very well uh, technically trained individuals to take on those jobs. And so we promised that we would take a look at it and see what we could do, and we needed uh, to be partners in this because um, during that time, uh, we were in a, in a bad recession. Uh, when I started in, in 2004, we were in a bad recession, and we never recovered from that until just before the most recent recession. And so uh, there wasn't any money from the state to go out and do new programs. So the only way I could create new programs was if I could partner with the community. And so I always made that very clear. Yeah, we'll try and do this, but we got to get some real creative ways to fund it. And um, so we, in the fall, uh, that was in the fall of 2005. And uh, in the winter quarter of 2006, uh, we made a journey over to Walla Walla Community College and started to investigate what would a two-year program look like, how would that work in a rural community college. Uh, Walla Walla Community College is much like uh, Umpqua Community College in terms of population base, in terms of geog uh, geography, in terms of lots of different issues. And they've been very, very successful. And so I happened to know the president there, and I took a, a group of people in a, in a um, school van, and we went over to Walla Walla Community College and, and spent a couple days. And uh, Steve Von Alsdale, who is the president, just did a wonderful job. He put us in touch with lots of different people, and he shared lots and lots of information and materials. And from that, um, from that trip, there started to develop a group of people who had a real passion for wanting to try and help bring this program along. And I was very strategic in who I invited. I invited the Director of Economic Development. I invited a county commissioner, uh, wine uh, folks, wine industry folks, as well as college folks and a board member from the college. And so everybody from different points of view could see the success of Walla Walla Community College. And uh, we came back, and there, there was lots of enthusiasm in the van. That's a long trip. It's, a, it's an eight or nine hour trip. <laughs> and so there was lots of enthusiasm in the van, and people were excited about the possibilities for the Umpqua region and, and perhaps all of Southern Oregon. And then from that, we developed uh, an advisory uh, group. We decided that we met and decided that we wanted to try and move this forward. And we developed an advisory group uh, composed of folks like Earl Jones and Scott Henry, uh, Greg Kramer, Pat um, Spangler, and others from the industry, as well as the Director of Economic Development for the city, a county commissioner, and a board member, mm -hmm. and really tried to get people who could have influence in this kind of a project. And uh, at the same time, we knew that this program had to be really um, deeply rooted in um, what the industry needed. And so we commissioned um, uh, focus study groups. And uh, Scott Henry 
and an administrative assistant from the college went out and held a series of focus groups in the Umpqua Valley with the industry to gather their support of the program as well as what should the program look like. Right. And um, Russ and Margaret Lyons down in Medford also did the same and we had already envisioned that this was going to be a regional program because there weren't enough wineries in, in Douglas County to warrant a standalone program. Mm -hmm. And we knew that there were other educational needs in Southern Oregon. So uh, Russ and Margaret went down and, and flushed out the same questions with the industry in that area. And then from that, we compiled all of the data in terms of what would the program look like and what's the level of support for this type of a program. Uh, it was interesting to me that they wanted uh, the students to experience a full-scale winery, for instance, because you look at wine programs and some programs are strictly sort of a little chemistry lab uh, orientation and they wanted a full-scale winery experience. So they wanted to see that the students could uh, use fermentation tanks and uh, hoses and do all the processes that are necessary. And they wanted students to move from viticulture into enology. And the other surprising part for me was that they felt like it was an important aspect of, of, of the program to produce wine and ultimately sell that wine to the consumer and receive feedback from the consumer about the quality or the imperfections or the perfections of that right. wine. And so uh, if you look at the model uh, of what we ended up with, it really is based on that industry input. That's incredible. Um, I, let, let me just kind of finish uh, in, in terms of, of where we went next. Uh, then from, um, from gathering that data and understanding what it is that we wanted uh, to begin to offer, uh, we needed to develop curriculum. And so then we went on a mad dash uh, to California, to Chemeketa, uh, and when I taught California, we went to Napa Valley and we went to uh, Sonoma uh, County. There's a community college there which is escaping me right now. Um, it'll pop back sometime, I'm sure. But anyway, Napa Valley and another community college in, in California as well as Chemeketa and borrowed their curriculums and how they, their orientation to their programs uh, look like and uh, put that all together uh, with the information we had from Walla Walla Community College. Now we needed somebody from the industry who could help digest all of that information and help to begin to write the curriculum. And so we tapped, uh, we actually advertised uh, a position, and we tapped uh, a gentleman by the name of Jim Delfino uh, from, from the Umpqua Valley. And he had lots of experience in viticulture and enology, but had never been a teacher, so this was sort of a learning experience for him. And he helped to develop all of the curriculum based on the industry input as well as the curriculum from those other schools. And, um, then from that, um, we went out and commissioned a study um, in the fall of 2006. And Jim worked on this uh, probably from the fall of 2006 till the beginning part of, of uh, the, the fall, uh, spring semester or winter semester, winter quarter in January, February, because all of the curriculum had to go to the state. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and we got that submitted to the state. And then we commissioned a, a study in the fall uh, with uh, a company called CC Benefits out of Moscow, Idaho. And what we really wanted them to do was do a modeling study that would take a look at the experience of Walla Walla Community College because they had had great experience diversifying and strengthening their economy through the wine industry. What would happen if we had a similar experience in the southern region of the state uh, with that same kind of model? And um, the results of that study, uh, the bottom line of that study, was that we would have, over an eight-year period of time, we would have 8,000, excuse me, 5,000 new wine cluster jobs and $115 million added to the annual payroll in Southern Oregon. And when people saw that as a possibility, they really got on board that this was important and that we were going to move forward. Um, so that was in um, the early beginnings of 2006, I think March of 2006 when that report was issued. Um, we wanted to begin the program uh, in 2000, um, excuse me, that was in 2007, March of 2007. And we knew that we wanted to begin the program uh, within the fall, a, a year from that next fall. So uh, in September of 2008, we accepted our first uh, students. We had to gain um, approval by the state uh, in terms of, of state fund or state approval of the courses. Uh, there were lots of issues that we needed to deal with because we didn't have facilities. We had to have industry partners. And um, so we just continued to work on that for a good uh, additional nine months or so. And then we went out and advertised for a director of the Southern Oregon Wine Institute. And um, ended up hiring a gentleman by the name of Chris Lake. And I was on the Douglas County Economic Development Commission. And those folks knew that I had been working on this wine project because I very purposely was promoting it in mm -hmm. speeches that I would give, presentations I would give. And Scott Henry uh, was my sidekick in all of that. He, he and I did presentations. We counted them up at one time and we did over 100 presentations in Southern Oregon to anyone that would listen. So uh, county commissioners, to uh, Rotary Clubs, to Lions Clubs, to anyone who would have us, we had a presentation complete with slides and handouts and everything that you could think of. Yeah. Um, so we uh, had, had obviously presented to the county commissioners and they knew that and we were in the process of of uh, hiring Chris Lake uh, in May or June of 2008. Uh, ultimately, I offered the job to Chris, and um, he accepted, and he had, has six wonderful children, and he moved this big family from Oklahoma uh, to take over this responsibility. And as he left the campus, I thought, okay, you've got a wonderful director in Chris, and he's gonna do a great job but we haven't got the money yet to pay Chris. And so that was the next challenge was, okay, I think I know where I can get the money, but I don't have the money in the college's accounts yet. Mm -hmm. So I did a presentation to the Douglas County Economic Development Commission and asked for $200,000. And that was enough money to allow us to start the program pay for the director's salary for two years and hire an enology instructor the second year and pay for his salary. 
And my theory was that by the time I got through two years of operation and got the equipment that I needed, that I would have enough resources coming from the state and other areas that I could cover those costs within the college budget, which proved to be true. Wow. It was a big sigh of relief. And so I went in and I did my presentation to the Douglas County Economic Development Commission and excused myself from voting. Uh, so I didn't have the conflict of interest. And um, I have to tell you that I was surprised uh, with some of my fellow uh, commission members who drilled me with questions and I, and I was shocked by the level of the intensity of some of the questions, especially from a woman, um, her name was Georgia, um, I can't think of her last name right now, but anyway, uh, Georgia Stiles, a long time community leader and realtor. Uh, she just absolutely nailed me with some questions and uh, I was sort of shocked by that because she's a good friend. <laughs> and, uh, and I, but I got through all of her questions and things that I hadn't really quite thought of in terms of, of the questions that might be asked. And uh, she said after the meeting was all over that she did that purposely because she knew that I was going to have to do similar kinds of presentations mm -hmm. and I needed to be prepared. And so I actually thanked her for doing that. Oh, of course. And uh, the county or the uh, commission approved the $200,000 with a recommendation to the county commissioners to fund the project. But ultimately, it was a decision of the county commissioners. And so then we had to do a, a very uh, open public request at a county commissioners meeting. The audience was full, and um, the county commissioners were. Um, uh, were very supportive. They asked a lot of really good questions. And I will never forget Joe Lawrence, who was a county commissioner, um, talked about the great potential this program had for economic development. And then he turned to the audience and he said, if anyone else out there has any better idea for economic development, we want to hear that today. And the room fell dead silence. And after that moment of silence, the county commissioners unanimously approved the program. Wow. So then we had enough money to operate the program. Another interesting aside, um, when we were trying to gauge the program and the interest of the program, we did uh, a series of workshops uh, just to kind of sample and see, you know, could we fill a workshop? Were there enough people out there that might have an interest in this in industry to fill a workshop? So the first one that we um, offered was establishing your vineyard. And it was an intro 101 to viticulture. You know, what are the, what are the issues in terms of site selection and soils and sun exposure and drip systems versus non-drip systems and various varieties and all of those kind of things. And it was a day and a half seminar. It was a total sellout. We had people from Portland who came down. It was amazing. And, uh, and we did a couple other workshops like that and they always sold out. So we felt like we really had a winner in this program that there was enough interest uh, in Oregon and th throughout Southern Oregon specifically mm -hmm. to warrant this program. Um, the program is a very unique program uh, as it started out and as it continues today, it's in a transition uh, phase in the next few years now that they have a building. 
Uh, but we didn't have a building. We didn't have a place to make wine. We didn't have a vineyard. We didn't have any of those things. But now, all of a sudden, we've got 20 students. Uh, in the fall of 2008, and an instructor for viticulture, followed by another instructor the next year in enology. So we knew that we needed to um, work with industry to try and figure out solutions to those challenges. And uh, you know, if you're a vineyard operator, if you own, own your own vineyard, you don't want some students that are just practicing to go out and start pruning on your vines, because mm -hmm. uh, they could very easily ruin your crop. Right. And so they've got to have a, a degree of comfort that our instructors are knowledgeable enough and have the supervision over the students that will allow these students a good learning opportunity in terms of hands-on laboratory experience, but won't damage their plants. And so there was a little bit of reluctancy from the industry. That wasn't the easiest thing to, to process. But we did get a number of uh, several uh, vineyards that opened up and allowed us to do that. And then word spread that you can, you can trust these students. They're getting well trained and they have good supervision and uh, things are okay. And so we used a number of vineyards uh, until we uh, established our own vineyard on campus uh, about the time the building was started. And then we did the same thing in terms of um, when we added the analogy part of the program. It would allow us then to uh, use um, wineries within the Umpqua region as well, down, as well as down in the Medford region. So we used Pallet Winery down there. And we used um, a winery up in the Umpqua uh, to uh, uh, make the wine and let them harvest the berries and, and crush the fruit and ferment and do all of those steps. So the, the, the part that I was getting at and, and sort of got sidetracked in, in, that part, in those details, uh, the part that I was getting at is that this program had to appeal um, throughout a region. And so it was all offered online. And it continues to be offered online today and will eventually transition to an online program as well as an in-person program. Okay. So the lectures will be offered in-person as well as online so that you can continue to serve that seven-county region that this program is responsible for serving. But for those students that perhaps would want a more in-class traditional experience, they'll have the, the uh, in-class experience as well. Now, I remember vividly uh, how difficult it was to form partnerships in seven counties. And if you know anything about Oregon Community Colleges, is they're fiercely independent. And part of that independentness is that they serve their own districts. And so they're defined as a district. So, you know, if you look at uh, Douglas County, uh, Umpqua Community College serves that county. Uh, and if you look at uh, Rogue, they serve Jackson and Josephine counties. So when I, as a president, went into my peer president's offices and said, I'm creating this wine institute program that will serve your industry in, this in your district, and I need to be able to come into your district and recruit your students out of your district into this program, that met a little bit of opposition and a little bit of questioning because that is not, that is not the way we do business, okay? 
And I assured them that we would not ever show a brochure about our business program, our nursing program. We would only be specifically there talking about the wine program to only those people who voiced interest in that program. And we've, we formalized those agreements and formalized those relationships. And so we were serving uh, out of those seven counties, I believe we were serving um, or actually in four other community college districts, Lane Community College, um, Klamath Community College, uh, Rogue Community College, and Southern, uh, Southwest Washington Community College over on the coast. And um, that was a little bit tricky, but it worked. And it, quite frankly, it was, um, I think, strategic on their part too, because they could offer the gen ed classes. So if they were needing you know, some of the very basic gen ed classes or even developmental classes, they could be offered in their local community college and the student wasn't traveling, they were doing distance ed. And so that all worked. And um, we had one or two little rough spots with misunderstandings, but we got those worked out. And the program is alive and well and has served uh, that population since 2008. It's a really incredible story. I, I think it was, you had a very purposeful plan with a huge vision that required a tremendous amount of cooperation in the community, the wine communities, in your peer community college communities. Could you talk a little bit about how how that translated to the Umpqua Community College as it existed? and Well, it was interesting. Um, <laughs> it was probably one of the biggest undertakings the college had ever taken. Mm -hmm. uh, just because of the scope and nature of, of trying trying to connect with people in Medford, trying to connect with people in Ashland and, and over on the coast. and. I mean, the complexity of the issues were enormous. Right. And, um, you know, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, this, was, this was sort of um, an interesting example, it will be an interesting example. Um, so we, we had Chris Lake hired as the, the director of the program, um, but we didn't have any students. And he's not going to be there till July, and the program starts in September. Right. <laughs> so where are these students going to come from? And we just got permission from the state in April or May to offer the program. And so we're rapidly working on promotional materials and, and things that we can do to advertise the program. But where are those students going to come from for the first year? More than likely, they would come from people who are working in the industry, who want to upgrade their skills, formalize their skills, uh, become high, higher skilled and more valuable to their employers, or be able to get different jobs with other employers. So we created a roadmap and, and looked at all of the wineries in Southern Oregon. And we didn't have anybody that could go out and make calls on all of those. So what I did is I took my administrative team and the college was closed on Fridays during the summer. But we worked on Fridays and we went out and we would go out on even on Thursday and work two days and, and we divided all of the Applegate region and the Umpqua Valley region and Lane County and all the other places that there were wineries. Mm -hmm. And we divided those up among the Vice President of Instruction, Vice President of Student Services, the VP of Admin Services, myself and one other administrator 
And we went out on the road with our brochures and promotional materials, talked to wineries, operators, talked to their employees, whoever was interested. Mm -hmm. And by September, we had the class filled. Uh, and, and, and it took that kind of effort by the college in general. So if you, if you look at the impact this program had uh, on the college, it was very, very significant. It's, it's number one, a very, very visible program because it isn't just visible in Douglas County, it is vi visible throughout the region. And quite frankly, it's visible throughout the state because I'm trying to get state money. I've met with the governor on economic development recovery bonds and I had Sue Schaefer, the tribal chair, who was a strong, strong democratic leader and knew the governor very well go with me, as well as Scott Henry. And we did, had an hour with the governor and his economic development team. So this is an extremely very visible program. And you, when you do visible programs um, that are that, that visible and that public, uh, the worst thing in the world you could do is fail. Um, so, so this is not an option. Failure is not an option. Somehow we have to, to get all these pieces together. And um, so, you know, the, I, I, I think my board was a little nervous, uh, quite frankly, because, you know, we've got a lot of political skin in this game, um, given the exposure of the college. And so they're, they're really wanting some assurances that this indeed is all going to work and that somehow all these pieces are going to come together. And quite frankly, frankly, I can't give that assurance other than I can tell them I'm going to work as hard as I can to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And I think we have an excellent chance of making it happen, but I can't assure you that it will happen. I, I, don't, I can't read those cards that well. Right. Uh, but you know, uh, my whole theory was I was looking for money and opportunities under stones. And so you turn one rock over and yeah, there might be something there and there might not, but let's go on and find another rock and keep it going until we figure it out. So um, I think that was a real uh, major challenge for the college um, and, and, and had a real impact on the college. And sort of, a, um, sort of a downside to that was for the college was that I had to, I had to be so visible and so public and so that, uh, on message all the time about right. the, the Wine Institute that sometimes my faculty didn't think I cared about the nursing program or the business program mm -hmm. or some of the other programs, which indeed I did, but I was on a mission. And so, you know, that would, there were some inconsistencies in terms of perceptions of support. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, it, and it, you know, you just had to understand that that was part of the dynamics and deal with it as issues would come up. But, you know, there, anytime you grow programs like that, I think there's always a downside to things in terms of your institutional culture and the way people perceive things. But ultimately, um, we decided now we had students, we had our, our second instructor, uh, we knew that these partnerships, while they were wonderful and very much needed in terms of getting the program up and running, we knew that that was not a long-term solution to our instructional needs. We needed a building. And we actually started working with an architect uh, to do conceptual drawings to help us get prepared to go out and talk publicly about what our facility needs might be. 
probably in uh, the program started in the fall of 2008. We probably started that fall uh, with the uh, uh, conceptual drawings because we needed to start presenting to the public a view of how this program was going to ultimately be housed and developed uh, further. And uh, we continued to work that direction and, and had uh, a very clear understanding of what the building needed based on the industry and based on our instructors that were in now uh, on board and uh, helping us deliver the, the classroom experience. Um, and we got um, some really good drawings and, and decided that we were going to go out on a campaign and start the campaign in uh, uh, late 2009. We were going to launch it in late 2009. And um, if you remember the economic history of that year, uh, things started to melt down in July of 2009 with some financial institutions that uh, went under and by fall things were really shaky and that was the time we were going to go out and ask for two and a half million dollars. Right. And I, uh, I had a lot of sleepless nights in terms of trying to figure out what should we do, what should we do. And I decided that I'd go ask a few of my um, respected community leaders. So I went to people like Alan Ford um, and um, 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 a couple other major leaders within the, Alan Ford owns Roseburg Forest Products and he's mm -hmm. the largest employer in, in Douglas County. And Neil Hummel uh, is, is a very, very successful uh, realtor as another person I ask. And universally, uh, and I probably asked six or seven people for their advice. And universally, all of those people, all of those community leaders said, you know, you've worked hard, this is a great program, you got it up and running, but right now is not the time to go out and ask for money. You're gonna fail. And, and Alan just told me flat out, you're gonna fail, I don't wanna see you fail, so don't do this. Okay. And I processed that feedback and thought, well, if this is about economic development and we're in the worst economic mess we've been in since the Great Depression, do you wait for four or five years and when the economy is, is roaring again and doing well, when the economy is really doing well, do you go out and ask for two and a half million dollars? Or is the, is the message stronger when people don't have jobs? Mm -hmm. So we processed that at a cabinet level at the college and talked about it at a cabinet level and decided, no, this is the best time to go ask for the money because people are really focused on wanting to have a strong economy and wanting to get jobs developed in Southern Oregon. And uh, I have to tell you, those community leaders were very shocked when I got back to them and said, we're moving ahead. We're, we're going ahead and we're moving ahead and we're going to uh, go after this two and a half million dollar capital campaign. This, is, this was the first campaign that the UCC Foundation had ever done. And the other interesting part was that when I first became president of Umpqua Community College, uh, the, the college had a wonderful foundation, had six million dollars in the foundation, not a lot of money, but a respectable amount of money. 
Uh, but they were really focused on scholarships, so they had never gone after anything in terms of capital. They had never gone out and asked for scholarship money. So a lot of very kind-hearted people over the years had given money to the college and left money in their states for, for scholarships, but other needs had never been identified. And, and, the, and we, so what we did is we hired a full-time foundation director and in, increased the foundation board to somewhere around 30 people. It used to be around 10 people. And we really redesigned what the foundation was all about with the idea that someday we would do a, a campaign. Right. So um, we decided to go out on campaign, met with the foundation board. They got behind it. Uh, and in six months, we raised the $2.5 million it was the shortest amount of time any campaign in Douglas County had ever raised over a million dollars. And we raised it in, in six months and got the two and a half million. Now, while that sounds real impressive, I have to tell you that not everything was easy doing that. Um, we, we did, again, many, many dozens of presentations. And uh, we did presentations that were to very non-traditional funders. I went to the city of Roseburg and asked for money from them from economic development funds. Uh, I, and, and ultimately got money out of the city of Roseburg. Um, we went to other foundations. So we went uh, to the Whipple Foundation and they were very generous. They're a local timber industry family in Douglas County and have a wonderful uh, educational foundation. And they provided um, a significant amount of money. Dick Erath and his foundation provided money. Alan Ford, through the Ford Family Foundation, provided money. Uh, so we did all the foundation uh, presentations and, and requests that we could. And we did one-on-one, people-to-people foundation uh, uh, fundraising. Uh, we had a, a wonderful story. Um, there was a secretary in the human, re, uh, human resources office that was just watching what we were doing and saw all the, the work that we had done. She happened to be in the administrative uh, complex the offices, uh, the president's area and, and administrative area. And she watched what we were doing for two or three years. And so Tina was so, so moved by uh, doing this. Uh, by seeing what we were doing and what we were, the potential was, mm -hmm. that she gave a nice donation out of her paycheck for two years towards this building. Right. And so it, it just resonated with people that this could be a real future for the region and helping people get back to work and helping people move on. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm very, very proud of Douglas County and Southern Oregon and the many, many fine people that make up that geographic area who gave so generously in such a brief amount of time to make that a reality. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, I retired in 2010. The building was well underway by the time I left. And uh, I came, I went back to the dedication uh, in, um, 2012, in January of 2012, my wife and I went back for the dedication. And it was the most joyous celebration with all of these wonderful donors and industry leaders 
uh, and to see the reality of what really could happen. And Alan Ford, uh, I, I did a little presentation that night, and Alan Ford stood up at the end of my presentation and said, and I told him this wasn't possible. And he ignored my advice, and thank <laughs> goodness he did. Right. So um, that's maybe a long answer to your question, but uh, that gives uh, some of the history of that uh, fundraising activity. Right. Yes. You know, and it appears to me, the other thing that I forgot, uh, <laughs> this was an interesting story too. Uh, we needed to, kick, in order to kick this uh, fundraising, capital fundraising activity off, we needed a lead donor. And, um, you know, and, and if you're looking at a lead donor, you're looking at, at a lead donor for, you know, close to a million dollars or more. So I, that's, what my, that's what my dollar figure was. I was looking for somebody that would do a million dollars, around a million dollars or more. And I had a gentleman who uh, was a very well-known attorney in town, Danny Lang, and he helped me start the uh, paralegal program uh, earlier uh, in my tenure at UCC and uh, gave generously of his time as well as his resources to help that program become a reality. Uh, and was really a leader because I was sort of a skeptic when he came in and asked me to start a paralegal program, uh, but I didn't understand at the time he proposed that, the potential of that program and the potential for employment. And he was patient and a good teacher because uh, I learned from him. Right. So I thought of Danny uh, because I knew that he, um, he, number one, was passionate about education. He came from humble beginnings. Uh, he cares so deeply about the underdog. If you look at his law practice, he oftentimes serves very disadvantaged people who uh, need to have a legal voice, and he's very passionate about his work. And I knew that much about him because I'd worked with him before. And so I thought, well, maybe this is a program that would resonate with him. Uh, so Dennis O'Neill, the director of the foundation, and I took Danny to, to dinner one night and, uh, and proposed that he might be our lead donor and proposed an amount to him. And his immediate take on it was, I don't know anything about the wine industry. I don't, I don't consume wine. I may drink a glass or two a year, but right. I really am not a wine connoisseur. I don't even know how to pronounce those names of those wines, much less. Uh, why would I be connected to this? Why would I even care about it? If it was something to do with law, yeah, I'd care, but he really voiced some concern about the concept of supporting the wine industry. And so I did my um, connections for him in terms of getting people back to work, creating jobs in Douglas County, providing uh, living wage jobs, uh, helping the area grow, all of the things that I thought would connect with his value system. And uh, he said, well, he'd think about it. So we gave him a couple weeks and took him to dinner. And this slow process took probably around two or three months with dinners or lunches every couple weeks and he'd have a list of additional questions, and we'd have good discussions and good meals, and uh, just kept processing it. And finally, 
uh, we were at uh, Dino's Downtown Rose Roseburg, uh, an Italian restaurant, um, late at night and, um, and talking. And he said, you know, I think I can support this. And I'll get back with you in the morning and tell you what that dollar figure is. So, you know, we wanted to go out on the town and celebrate. Right. <laughs> Finally, we have a lead donor. Mm -hmm. And he, know, he understands what a lead donor is. I mean, he understands there's a significant amount of money that he would be donating. But we don't know what he's going to donate. So um, he comes to my office, actually, the next day and said, how does $800,000 sound? And I said, by golly, I think that sounds like a lead donor to me. And so we took the, uh, we formalized the agreement and he uh, agreed to donate the $800,000. And because of his generosity, we, do we uh, named the facility the Danny Lang Teaching, mm -hmm. Learning, and Event Center at the Southern Oregon Wine Institute. And it's a great recognition of him in terms of his leadership and commitment to the community and his value of education and, again, his support of trying to create opportunities for people that would not otherwise have opportunities. And when I say um, the Danny Lang Teaching, Learning, and Event Center, that brings me to another thought, and that is that that building is very beautiful, very modern, but it is also a building that serves many, many purposes. The uh, building is a full-scale winery, so the south end of the building is a full-scale winery with all kinds of great equipment and um, uh, everything that a student would experience in a real winery because it is a real winery. Mm -hmm. uh, it has a laboratory out in front that is a vineyard and will continue be, to be developed so that the entire hill uh, where the building is located will uh, be um, covered with vineyards and, uh, and, and there's actually uh, an additional spot for another vineyard uh, named of, after another uh, community wine grower will uh, take shape and the winery or the vineyard around the winery, uh, the Soe building is named after Scott Henry. Um, and another part of the building is um, obviously classrooms. There's a, a viticulture and enology classroom. Uh, but there's also a laboratory within the building, ETS Laboratories, mm -hmm. a premier uh, testing laboratory out of St. Helena, California. And that was on one of our trips to California. We went up to St. Helena and met Gordon and Mar uh, Ma Margaret uh, Burns, the owner of ETS Laboratories, took him to lunch and said, we're looking for a great partner and you should look at us uh, in terms of partnering and being able to provide testing to all of Southern Oregon and explained the delay in testing that the uh, wine growers down there experience in sending their lab work out or having to do it themselves and not necessarily having the best results. And so he flew up, um, Gordon and his wife flew up and took a look and I'll come back to that in a minute because okay. that's, that's an interesting story in and of itself. But I want to finish the building. Uh, so we have ETS Laboratories and they just had a grand opening a, a couple, I, actually it was uh, earlier this month. So they are on site uh, providing full testing facilities now to all of the wine industry and they're going to be teaching some of the classes through SOE and they'll be doing some of the workshops that are offered as continuing education to the industry. 
And that's another important part of this building is ongoing education and support of the industry. Mm -hmm. So there are marketing classes that are in workshops. There are um, uh, laboratory and how to obtain the best results with their wine uh, type of workshops. So there's all kinds of things that can occur in that building. And the final part of the building that I'd point out is an event center. The college had a very uh, old and antiquated uh, student union, if you will, college center uh, that was really inadequate for the community needs as well as the college needs. And so we felt like if we could incorporate that into this building and somehow uh, use the facilities for multiple purposes that that would serve the community as well as serve the college's needs much better. And when I talk about the community needs, there was no place in Douglas County that you could host a dinner for 250 people unless you went all the way down uh, to the casino, uh, which is 35 miles south. And while that's a great facility, it doesn't always work uh, for everything that's needed. So. Um, we worked with the Cow Creeks who owned the casino. They actually gave us a very, very sizable donation. So they didn't see us as competition to them. Right. And we incorporated that with a culinary arts um, um, preparation kitchen, not preparation kitchen, but, but uh, banquet kitchen, so that all of the food was um, prepared in a brand new state-of-the-art uh, kitchen. Uh, it, down in the student union building, and then it was brought up to would be brought up to the SOE building, the Danny Lang Teaching and Learning Center, and uh, served out of that catering kitchen uh, for uh, 250 people uh, for set down dinners. So it became a multi-purpose facility. So there's you know, smaller rooms, larger rooms. Uh, you can accommodate 250 for dinner, and you actually, by using the winery downstairs, you could accommodate some four or 500 people for a major event. Wow, and, yeah. and so it is a tremendous resource. Um, I said I was going to tell you another story, and that story was related to, oh, Gordon Burns. So Gordon and Margaret Burns flew up and uh, said they would check us out, and they have their own private jet, and they also have a, a, a laboratory with Walla Walla Community College and they've really enjoyed their relationship with Walla Walla and it's worked very, very well. Um, and Gordon told me, he said, number one, if I come up and take a look, you've got to have an airport that I can get in and out of. And I said, that's no problem. We've got an airport you can get in and out of and it'll accommodate your jet. And he said, and it's got to be an area that I want to come to because I don't want to have to come to somewhere, someplace that I don't want to be there. So aesthetically, it has to be a place that I want to come to. And I said, well, you're going to love, you're going to love Umpqua. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful area. Mm -hmm. And I did a little research and found out like, he liked to fish. So I arranged for uh, a VIP lunch for Gordon and his wife out at the country club and invited all kinds of community leaders, county commissioners, city council, um, economic development folks, all of that. And we, they were primed ahead of time and said, you need to sell this area because if he doesn't like this area, doesn't see the value of the area, he's not going to want to come. And then the uh, icing on the cake is we took him in the van before he had to fly home. And we took him up the North Umpqua River 
and he got to see firsthand the beauty of the river and the salmon and all of that, and he was hooked. And so uh, he, he said, yep, this is, this is, this is going to work. <laughs> so, so he uh, became a partner and, and pledged that he would uh, establish a satellite testing facility at uh, the SOE building and, and be part of the program. So uh, interesting how those things all take place. Right. And I believe you told me another story about finding Dick Erath down in ah. Arizona. <laughs> That, that was sort of on our funding journey, and as I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you just pick up various stones and look and see what you can find, and sometimes you're successful and sometimes you're not. Um, I had heard that Dick Erath had a foundation and did a little research and found out indeed that he did, and um, was told that Dick um, vacationed, uh, was a snowbird, uh, down in Arizona in all places Green Valley. And we happened to own a home in Green Valley that we would go down for various holidays and vacations of our own during the winter. And we were down there for uh, Christmas uh, one year. Um, this would be just after we launched the, the capital campaign, which would have been probably Christmas of 2009 or perhaps in January of 2010. And uh, uh, I got a hold of uh, Dick's telephone number and gave him a call and introduced myself and told him that I was the president of the college and that we were interested in starting a program and I'd like to buy him lunch and talk to him about that program. So I met him out at Quail Creek where, he res where his home is and they had a beautiful restaurant there. And I took him to lunch and I probably didn't eat much lunch and he ate all of his lunch listening to me. Uh, but we got through all of the things, the messages that I wanted to impart to him and told him about what we were trying to create. And um, he invited me to uh, attend his uh, foundation board meeting the following June uh, in Portland and make a formal presentation, uh, which I did. and. Um, um, ask, I, I'm going to remember that I asked for three or four hundred thousand dollars and the Erath, Erath Foundation ultimately, uh, if my memory is right, donated around three hundred thousand dollars to the project. And that was not without checking me out thoroughly, and Dick doesn't know this, but I know that he called uh, Earl Jones at Abacella and Scott Henry and said, okay, now is this guy for real? Is he really going to be able to do this? And I, of course, had their endorsements and Dick's concerns or, or questions were duly answered and he's a smart businessman. If he's going to invest, he's going to check things out, which I uh, wasn't offended by any means and was glad that he did. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I ran Dick down at, uh, on a vacation and bought him lunch and <laughs> it all worked out. That's incredible. So. I know it's only been, in historical terms, a few years for SOE, but could you speak to how you've seen the program develop and, and what impact it's had already? Well, I, I take great pride in looking at what fine things some of our graduates have already done. Uh, several of them have started their own wineries. In fact, our first graduate ever out of the class of 2010, um, uh, May, June of 2010, uh, Sandy Glazer is her name, 
Uh, Sandy was um, the first student to enroll in the program. She held that honor and we recognized her. And then she was the, as a result, she was the first one to walk across the stage and receive her diploma mm -hmm. uh, out of that program. Uh, she and her family uh, started Glazer Family Winery. They have uh, beautiful acreage and a beautiful home on the west side of Roseburg near the country club and they have a number of grapes, uh, acres planted in grapes. Um, and I stopped to see her last year. And uh, her uh, son, their son, uh, David and, and um, <laughs> what did I just tell you her name was? Sandy. Sandy, thank you. Sandy and David Glazer uh, are the parents. Their son, Leon, uh, is also involved in the business and he actually dropped out of OSU's engineering program. Very, very bright young man, but dropped out because he found a passion in the wine industry right. and uh, decided he wanted to go into business with his parents to start this winery. So anyway, I stopped by to see how they were doing and they've got a beautiful, beautiful wine tasting room now. Uh, and some incredible wines. They're doing very well. Sandy makes all the white. Leon, Leon makes all of the reds. Plus, they've, just, they've opened up a distillery. Oh, and yeah. so they're doing distilled spirits. And um, he had uh, processed, I think, some vodka and was doing some other kinds of dis distilled spirits, but I don't recall. But their wines were receiving uh, very strong recognition, medals, gold medals, and mm -hmm. other recognitions and they're in business and they're doing great and they're happy and it's in their blood now and they're just, they're really, really proud of what they're doing and they make some exceptionally good wines. Uh, there's been other examples of some of our other students who have gone in as assistant winemakers and now are winemakers uh, who have gone in and helped manage uh, vineyards and now are the lead manager of vineyards. And so the, the dream that the program had in terms of helping the industry grow is really a reality. And as I was talking about that, I think one of the things that I failed to mention about the building that's an important uh, component of the building is that there is a program called the Wine Incubator. And so we had the formalized training for the t for the two years and the laboratory and, and, and all the event center. But another component of that is a wine incubator program. And what we mean by a wine incubator is that if a student completes um, the degree and has the two-year degree uh, and really w needs to uh, use a winery for up to two years to try and, and get into business mm -hmm. um, and they are uh, undercapitalized uh, to be able to invest that kind of money in the business but have a passion and want to produce a product and really try to see if they can get their product mark, marketed and produce that product and market it, they can enroll in an official wine incubator program and that will allow them for a fee to use the, the, the wine, the winery and make their wine and store it and bottle it and design a label and do that. And they also work with the Small Business Development Center to create a business plan and a marketing plan so that when they're launched at the end of two years, they've got a product, they've got a business plan, they have a marketing plan, and they have an optimal chance for being success successful. 
And so that was a real important part uh, of the design of that program. That said, that also ended up getting us another million and a half dollars for equipment. Right. Because you build this wonderful building uh, for seven or eight million dollars, and then you've got to equip it. And uh, winery equipment is very, very expensive. Stainless steel is very expensive. Right. So um, I was at a um, presentation in Portland one year, and the years begin to run together. But one year, um, probably in 2008 or 2009, and uh, community colleges were invited to a regional economic development summit, and there were a lot of federal officials there talking about economic development. And um, well, it would it would have been it would have been probably in 2008 because the recession had not hit yet. At any at any rate, I was developing this concept of of SOE and uh, very visible on a state level. And one of my fellow um, community college president said, you need to meet the regional economic development director so that you can introduce SOE to that person because there may be some funding. And he knew the guy. So it was a handshake and a quick, hi, how are you? And here's what I want to talk to you about. And he gave me his business card and I followed up. Um, and then we had a long, extensive telephone conversation about what we were doing. And he encouraged me to, to begin to look at a formal, um, a formal request. And we started meeting with some of their other people and massaging that request and working that through. And um, it took us about a year to a year and a half to get a real concrete, very viable proposal together that we had massaged many, many, many times. And uh, you're familiar with that process, I know. Uh, and we submitted it into the uh, Economic Development uh, Agency uh, Commission. And then we had a telephone call. Um, they wanted to ask a whole bunch of follow-up questions. And we spent a couple hours, my team and I spent a couple hours answering their questions. And a large component of this was the, um, the need for the incubator program, as well as the two-year program, in terms of, uh, you know, they kind of went hand in hand, and the whole economic development initiative. Uh, but they really, really liked the incubator con concept. That was really something that resonated with them and, and just made tremendous sense. Mm -hmm. um, so they whittled it down to, I forget, I think it was around 75 to 100 uh, projects that they were sort of interested in, because this is national competition. And then they did a second round of interviews. And so we went through that and answered all of their questions. And ultimately, we were one of 50 programs funded nationwide, and we received a million and a half dollars for equipment. And so the equipment that is housed at SOE is absolutely state of the art, uh, brand new equipment, cutting edge, filtration systems, whatever you want to talk about, everything is just absolutely cutting edge. That's incredible. Yeah. Since we've spoken about the program and you now probably have very intimate knowledge of the Umpqua Valley and the wine industry down there, where do you see it going? Especially is that something that we've tried to capture here? 
Well, I think, I think the southern part of the state, and this does not take away from the northern part of the state, which produces incredible wines. Um, but, but when I look at the, and the incredible wines are really in the area of Pinot Noir and Pinot Gris and really much cooler climate uh, wines. I think one of the beauties of, of, uh, that distinguishes itself in the southern part of the state is the broad diversity of grapes that can be grown there. You can grow the Pinot Noirs, you can grow the Pinot Gris because of the marine influence and the, and the microclimates that exist there. But you can also grow the robust wines, the robust grapes, like the Syrahs, the Tempranillos, and, and those types of grapes. And so the, the diversity of wine is just absolutely phenomenal. And I'll give you, I'll give you a little story. Um, there's a winemaker in uh, south of Roseburg um, called Abacella, Earl Jones. And Earl has a passion mm -hmm. for Spanish variety wines. And he uh, retired as a uh, dermatologist and was living in Florida, but had spent enough time in Spain and had a passion enough for uh, wine that he really wanted to grow Spanish varieties and he knew that's what he wanted to do after he retired. Mm -hmm. And he was searching uh, somewhere that he could establish those kinds of vines. And he looked in Washington and then he began his journey in the southern part of, of Oregon. And he felt like he had stumbled upon an area that had, was on the same uh, latitude as, as Spain and some of the great growing regions of, of the world in terms of, of Spanish varieties. And he looked at the soils and he did his analysis and he felt this was the place to grow great Tempranillo. And he's absolutely right. I mean, he's won gold medals in Spanish competition. Uh, uh, you know, you, that's hard to do, to, to beat out the Spanish folks in their own Tempranillo is, is hard to do. Um, so I think if you look at the industry in the southern part of the state, it is ripe for development. I think you're going to see lots and lots of, of continued development in the wine industry in that part of the state. And it's a part of the state that is somewhat under, um, undiscovered mm -hmm. because, you know, while it has its diversity, its diversity somewhat is its Achilles heel. Because if I talk about the Willamette, I'm going to talk about great Pinot Noirs and Pinot Grigios. Mm -hmm. and, and people know that. I can go to the Willamette and get wonderful Pinot Noir. But if you talk about the southern part of the state, you're going to talk about lots of different great wines, mm -hmm. but not one single variety that is going to be absolutely the stellar throughout the st that part of the region. So I think that part of the challenge in terms of marketing the southern part of the state is to look at that diversity and then really play that for what it really is. Mm -hmm. And it's a great growing, uh, wine growing region with great diversity and uh, great potential. And, and I think you're seeing you're seeing um, part of that vision and potential take place. Uh, Duck Pond came down and bought, uh, I forget how many acres, out near Scott Henry. Uh, Melrose has, has developed a, another huge part of their uh, vineyard uh, out by Scott as well. There is um, a very large section of um, land that is being developed by uh, a couple from New Zealand. 
And so you're starting to see, just in the, in the few years since we started this program, great uh, additions of wine, uh, grapes being put into the, in the ground, and you're seeing additional wineries. And I think it, over time, you're just gonna see that continue. And success breeds success. And so when the word gets out that more and more people are finding more and more success in the southern part of the, of the state, you're gonna see more and more wineries develop there. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I haven't so far? Or any last thoughts that you'd like to share with us? You know, the only thing that, that comes to mind that I would share with you is um, that journey, while it was extremely challenging, was extremely fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And I met some of the most wonderful people in the wine industry and have such great respect for their craft, uh, of, of the art that they do with uh, wine production and how they really um, are able to produce such a fine product and the amount of hard, hard work, dedication, and love that they have for their, their industry. I mean, it's incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I found that almost universally with everyone I came in contact with in the wine industry. It's a very, very unique uh, group of people. And somebody told me a long time ago, um, they said, once you get wine in your blood, you, you never see the product the same. And, uh, and I think that's true. I, I think I have a little wine in my blood as a result of this project. That's wonderful. Okay. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for your time, Blaine. You bet. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.